Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome back to the Preacher's Corner. I'm Pastor Jay, and today we're going to get right back into Revelation. We're going to be moving to chapter number 5 today. As of last Friday, we had covered the the throne room of God, recognized in Revelation chapter 4. And the excitement of that chapter is realizing that those loved ones that we have that have gone on before us, trusting in the Lord as their Savior, that's exactly where they've gone. As we consider the concept of heaven, and we talk about uh, can't wait to get to heaven, we use this word very, very often concerning our relationship with God, and that we know that when we are absent from this body, that we will be present with the Lord. It's just oftentimes heaven morphs itself into uh, playing harps on tops of clouds with wings and, and walking through the rolling hills of green grass with beautiful little cottages uh, when none of those things are true. The reality of heaven is the beauty of the throne room that we see in Revelation chapter number 4 with the angels uh, flying through, crying out, holy, 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 with with the four cherubs that are carrying the the throne of God and, and what they are proclaiming with their six sets of wings and filled with eyes and, and the 24 thrones where the elders of those thrones are casting their crowns before the altar and what we shall discover today in Revelation chapter number 5 is that between the 24 elders and the the throne of God itself, we discover the Lamb, who is the only one worthy to take the scroll. But before I let go of any more information about chapter 5, we need to get into a moment of prayer for our heart to be settled and prepared to receive of what God's blessings are for us today. And the, and the gorgeousness of that throne room, which if you this day are a child of God, you're headed to. This, this is something that you could rejoice in in this modern day with its trials and tribulations and with the struggles that we have to face and the illnesses that we have to battle through because we know that, that when our time on earth is done and the Lord calls us that we're going to be right here in this throne room. And so that we appreciate every day that the Lord has blessed us with on this earth because it is another day where we could share the love of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ to a sin-sick soul that needs salvation or an encouragement to the brethren around us to keep on going. Uh, we also know that at the time that the Lord calls us, we're out of here we're headed to this throne room, and we're going to be a part of that great cloud of witnesses as referred to in Hebrews chapter number 12, having become intimately uh, reunited with the author and finisher of our faith, our Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing more thrilling than that. So let's thank God for the blessing of today. Father, we are grateful for everything that you have done. We thank you, Lord, for the, the privilege of gathering together. Oftentimes, Father, there, there will be a click on this video just for maybe even three seconds, maybe just a minute. And I pray that the opening of this message would be enough to cause a person's desire to be built to listen to the rest of it. But Father, if all they heard was what we opened with, then Lord, they know to look to the author and finisher of our faith. They know that, that heaven is not what is often referred to, but that heaven is this beautiful throne room. And maybe, Lord, just maybe, 
In those three seconds or one minute, they will be encouraged by the Spirit to look into the Word of God and see Revelation chapter 4, see Revelation chapter 5 as we go through it, and that they would be willing to hang out with us through this time on the preacher's corner to be able to discover something they may have never known before. So we pray that you will bless everyone that, that is connected to us today on the corner, that you will be with us, Lord, and that you will encourage us, strengthen our hearts, that we may receive receive of the richness of your your word and your beauty. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. Scripture goes forward in Revelation chapter number 5 to say this, Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures, and among the elders, I saw a lamb, as though it had been slain with seven horns, with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out in all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom of priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked, and I heard around the throne and the living creatures, and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads of thousands and thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. The four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. <laughs> oh, guys. It, a priceless chapter of what's happening in heaven as we'd already seen in the throne room of God in Revelation 4, the, the events of the praise unto our God. But now it's complete that the praise erupts because the Lamb of God is, is moved into action. The time of the tribulation is, is now. The time of, of the seals is to be broken. The rapture has taken place. All, everything is in, in its place. Of course, now understanding I'm a pre-tribulation rapture-based guy. 
and and we, we, everything is in place, guys. And so it is time to release the the seals. And I cannot say about those seals because that's for tomorrow in Revelation chapter six. But it's time to release those seals. It's time for the events of the earth to begin transpiring. It's time for the seventieth week of Daniel to to occur. And everything is done in in perfection. Everything is done according to he who has, uh, according to the lamb who has the seven spirits, which, which go out into all of the earth. By the way, it's very important to understand that that concept is the seven, the number seven being recognized here, just like when something is said three times, it magnifies the holiness of God in that thing. The number seven recognizes the, the perfection of of a thing. It recognizes the the wholeness or the completeness of a thing. And so we understand that the the completeness of the Spirit, the holiness of of God, goes out into all of the earth in these moments that the seal has begun to be broken because the the connection of the 144,000, which I can't get into yet because we haven't reached chapter 7 yet, but all of these things will tie together and how powerful is our God? Oh, guys, it's, it's worth listening to. Let's get some specifics in. So we, we back up and we look at uh, Revelation chapter 5 and verse number 1. And we see this statement. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back sealed with seven seals. Now, very important to understand as concerning this scroll of whose hand it's in. He who's seated on the throne. Well, at this point, the throne room in Revelation 4 where he who sat on the throne had a, had a rainbow that was above his head that was recognized as being emerald in color and the four cherubs that will, will go and in connection to Ezekiel chapter number 1 that those cherubs will go in the direction that the Lord has desired. Well, this is referring to the Father. This is referring to God in his, in his presence there in his throne room in heaven. And so, it says that he is holding this scroll and and this mighty angel makes proclamation with a loud voice who is worthy to open the scroll and to break its seals now take a look at what john sees or better yet i should say take a look at what john is able to see in one moment in this place of the throne room of god in verse number three he said no one in heaven so this being the location of that throne room where he sees that great cloud of witnesses of the, of the fellow believers that have passed on before him all the way back to, to the time of Adam as being delivered from the resurrection of Jesus in that moment where you see in Matthew chapter number 27 from verse number 50 to 53 that, that the graves were opened and that... that that the multitude walked in the streets of Jerusalem before being taken captive by Christ up unto the throne room of God. So you've got a, a huge amount of, of believers that are now in this throne room that John gets called up to in Revelation chapter number four. And so he's looking among all of the mighty of the faith of, of, of old it's right there in the throne room of God. He's looking at Paul and, and he's, he's, well, 
He's looking at Peter. He's looking at all of these uh, fellow believers that are that were with him and were martyred before him as being being the the oldest surviving uh, servant of God from the original twelve apostles. He's he's there seeing all of these guys, and and none of them, none of them are worthy to take the scroll out of God's hand. None of them. He said, uh, no one in heaven. Now consider this. At the same time he's looking around the throne room, he's also able to see everyone on the face of our planet. He said, or on earth. So no one on earth. Meaning that he's capable of sifting through all of the lives of every person that existed on the planet earth during this moment that he was in heaven, that he was in this throne room. And he said, no one in heaven or on earth is able to to take that scroll from his hand, which, of course, I could say uh, that that's kind of rhetorical as concerning the earth. Now, those that are in heaven have reached uh, the throne room of God and have been transformed without question. The, the corruption has been left behind. They've received the incorruption. The mortality has been left behind. They've received their immortality, and they are spirits that are awaiting the opportunity to be reunited with the body that God would prepare for them at the the trumpet sound, but in all intent and purpose, they are in their perfected state. So, if anybody was going to be able to take this scroll, it would be somebody up there in the throne room. But nevertheless, what what John is giving you a vision of, the, the eyesight of, is what God sees every moment. You see, God is looking upon the earth and every soul in the earth as his word has gone out unto all the earth. He's he's seeking to save that which is lost, which is what Jesus said in in Luke 19, uh, verse number 10, where he said, uh, the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. So understand that the word of God not only is the the treasure and praise of the heavenly throne room, but is also the the seeker of souls that is upon this earth, reaching out to the world through the the saints of God that are that are should be I should say actively sharing the gospel on this earth. But then you see that not only is there no one in heaven that is capable of taking the scroll, but no one on earth that is capable of taking the scroll. In verse number three, there's one more place under the earth. Now, if you have a translation that actually says the truth, you would look at, at Isaiah chapter number 14, and it would tell you that hell is beneath you, and then it moves itself to greet you at your coming. And so, recognizing that as John was able to look in the throne room of God, at the same time, John could see the, the lives of man on earth, at the same time, he could see the dead locked up in the prison of hell. And certainly no one is able to take the scroll from his hand in that place. Unlike all of the Greek mythologies that show Hades, the keeper of the dead and the depths of of hell, regularly challenging the authority of Zeus, 
which is the the keeper of the heavenly realm and 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 overthrowing or attempting to overthrow which was the purpose behind uh, people like like uh, Perseus or or Hercules or uh, Theseus depending on if you're Greek or if you're Roman and in in the time uh, and, and the point being of all of this is that the Greeks and the ways of man often find themselves at a pinnacle where they have some type of power to be able to overthrow uh, the gods, and gods will overthrow gods, and there is a destruction for gods to face. But all being in, in myth or mythology, we, we often look at the Lord God of Yahweh of, of the Bible and say, well, you know, are they right or is he right? But what we find is, is that in the position of John, here in the throne room of God, there only be but one God. <laughs> there, there is no other God beside him. We discovered that. And we discovered that with this scroll in his hand as the mighty angel proclaims who is worthy, John discovers with a broken heart, by the way, as we're about to see, nobody is. No man on earth, certainly no one in hell, could ever be found worthy as they, they had rejected life to be even found worthy to be in the presence of God. You know, even at the point that I lived a wretched life after my salvation and had to face the outer darkness of not being allowed to go into the New Jerusalem, not being allowed access to the presence of Jesus in, in that place, yet still being able to, to roam upon the, the, new he, the new earth that is created in Revelation chapter 21, uh, the, the lowest part of heaven, as I've said before, is so much greater than the, the highest part of hell. Think about that for a second. Uh, the point, I'd rather be a janitor cleaning toilets in heaven than the king of hell. Of course, you'd never be the king of hell because Satan would never allow uh, such a, a miserable creature as mankind to have his throne, would he? But to consider the point. So when John looks upon the earth in verse number three, he looks upon the earth, he looks through the, the throne room in heaven, and he looks into hell itself. And what does he say? No one was able to open the scroll or even to look into it. We're just completely helpless. We're, we're, we're completely weak before the presence of God, before the things of God. We're, we're, we're helpless apart from God. There's no way we could ever survive this thing if it wasn't for God's provision, if it wasn't for God's grace. We, we would be helpless, guys. Pay attention to this. No one was, was able to open the scroll or to even look into it. And if you can understand at this point why John, in verse number four, weeps so loudly. This isn't a crying, guys. It isn't like he got his arm cut and, and it hurts so bad that, that he's crying. This is, this is the emotional state of weeping. This, this is a, a state of brokenness to his heart because it, it, it has come upon him. He's, he's had this moment to contemplate the infinite. And it has come upon him that nobody's worthy. 
And and the weeping that you'll find in in his soul at this point is is he even worthy to be in the presence of God at this moment? Are we? The answer is of ourself, not no, not even close. You see, it is Jesus that gives us the worthiness. It is Jesus who has washed us and made us clean that gives us the ability to be where John is in this moment, in this throne room. It's Jesus that gives us the audience with the king. It's Jesus that has done everything on our behalf because no one is worthy. Only Jesus who can make us worthy. It's the only answer. <clears throat> and John, in verse number four, it says, I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. No one. Now, what, what the angel has commanded is who is worthy to take this scroll. It, there is an a sense of desire for the scroll to be taken, but in order for one to approach the he who sits upon the throne, they must be worthy. And the brokenness of John's heart is recognizing that though all of these people that he's surrounded by, these 24 elders even that are before the throne of God and casting their crowns, even they are not found worthy. Even they who are literally the closest people to the presence of, of Yahweh, even they are not worthy. But to cast their crowns and to sing their praises, that's what they've got. They're not worthy. And John just breaks down into a heap of, of crying, of, of weeping, because this scroll must be taken. It needs to be taken. These events need to happen. And he knows the sense of urgency in this throne room in this moment. He knows the importance of, of the challenge being met. But he can't do it. No one else can. What is to be done with, with the word of God and the, and the things of God at this moment? Oh, verse number five answers that question. Oh, guys, get a victory in your soul over this. One of the elders said to me in verse number five, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. Man, you want to talk about a revival, an instant revival of the heart of John where, where this, this elder comes to him and, and he says, there's no reason to weep. There is a conqueror. It is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Now, this is very familiar to John. He's heard of the lion of Judah. This is the testimony of prophecy that is spoken of out of Judah shall come a lion, uh, it's the very nature of, of the prophecy that, that um, Jacob was, was prophesying over his sons in Genesis chapter number 49. That is a chapter that we are going to look at all by itself one day. But in Genesis 49, he makes proclamation of prophecy for every one of his children. And Judah is recognized as the, the child of kings. 
Out of Judah will come the kings, and he recognizes Judah as a lion, takes care of the whelps, and whelps are baby cu uh, cubs of the lions. And, and the really exciting point is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Now, John will know exactly who that is, but John is not prepared for what he's about to see because as John is being told, the conqueror is the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. Well, he, ought to, he knows that's Jesus. He knows that's Jesus. He said, uh, I am the true vine and you are the branches. And the concept of the vine is the vine of David. He's, he's he which comes in the place of the king to be the fulfillment of the prophecy that is given unto David called the Davidic covenant's promise, which is, is that he shall rule and reign in, in the place of his father David and, and that he will, will be the conqueror right here. John's got it. He's, he's looking automatically to, to find the lion. And, and when you've given, been given such encouragement as this, as he's falling apart, weeping, and an elder says, don't, you don't need to cry. There is the, a conqueror who is, who is going to deliver, and his name is the lion. And, and John, oh, he looks. He looks for the lion. But what does he find? <laughs> Verse number six, he's looking for a lion. And as you can imagine, sifting through the throne room of God with his, with his heart looking out into the crowd as he's searching for this lion. And a, and a lion is not going to be something that's easy to miss, is it? They're pretty large with big manes. Uh, consider Narnia for a moment as, as that was the connection to uh, Aslan, which is the lion. Pretty big. He's looking for a lion, but what does he find? Verse number six, what does he find? Between the throne and the four living creatures and, and among the elders, which is an interesting way of, of translation. Let me look at something real quick. I'm curious. I, I get this way sometimes when I'm dealing with different translations. I'm curious. Let's see. Let me back up a little bit. Uh-huh. Oh, I see what they did in, in the English Standard Version, which, which I'm regularly reading in, and it says, in between the throne and the four living creatures, which... This article and separates two things, and or and or it can connect two things together, but oftentimes those things being separate. So we see between the throne and the four living creatures. So what you're finding is is there is a separation between the four living creatures and the throne. But the issue behind that is in in chapter four you'll find that the four living creatures are actually posted at each each point of the throne and that they are carriers of the throne and and that is recognized also in Ezekiel 1 so the the four living creatures are not separated from the throne but that they are the very stands on which the throne sits upon is these creatures and so in a King James language it says and I beheld and lo in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts 
this would tell you that that uh, the throne and the four beasts are one entity, whereas the ESV has them separated. So uh, I think that's kind of interesting in in the difference of the wording of of the languages, and so that it can cause a confusion from Ezekiel's relationship of the throne and these creatures and of Revelation 4's relationship of the throne and these creatures. And and thus, when we get to Revelation chapter 5 of the throne and these creatures, is that the King James Bible would be better worded or closer to what is already given example in other places in Scripture as the connection of the creatures to this throne than the English Standard Version. I I just think that's pretty fascinating. Um, amen. And so we learn once more that uh, you can always rely on the good old King James. And you must always be prepared to question and research, the even to something so simple as an article, like the word and in this place. Uh, something so simple so that you can grasp the, the reality that, that these modern translations, they're not always as sound as we would like them to be. However, we'll understand that they are worded in a manner that helps us to, to readily read them so that we may, uh, in essence, think that we understand them better. But in our understanding the language better, there is much that is being left out. So even though we may be able to read it smoother and understand it a little better, we may be missing a lot. Something, uh, something to think about, a good point to study. But as I've discovered this, I'm, I'm just going to get into the King James a little bit and hang out there for, for the rest of the session here. And in verse number 6, again, we look at this point, And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders. So the throne and of the four beasts is one entity, and then in the midst of the elders, that's a second entity. And that makes more sense, because we know that the, the 24 thrones with the 24 elders, they cast their crowns before God, and that the crowns that they're casting is at the feet of the four uh, cherubim that are carrying the throne room of the throne of God, rather. So that makes plenty of good sense. He said, uh, in the midst of these two sets, so the throne, the four beasts carrying the throne, and the twenty-four elders. He said, stood a lamb. So John is looking around trying to find this lion of the tribe of Judah, trying to find the root of David, which is Jesus. He's looking for him. And what he finds is the offering for his sin. Now, it's very important for us to understand that as we look to Jesus today, we, we find the Lamb of God today. This is the blessing for us that we discover the Lamb of God. Because Jesus is still in the position that he has come to seek and to save that which was lost. He's not come to judge, as he had said. He didn't come to judge, but to save. There is one that is going to judge us in the last days. That's the very word that Jesus had spoken. The same will judge us in the last days. Find that in John chapter number 12 from verse number 48 down to 50. Well, 46, I should say, down to 50. 
That's very important for us to understand that. So when, G, when John looks for the lion of Judah, he discovers the lamb. Because up until this point, Jesus' role is a role that leads unto salvation, and he is the lamb. Now, once he takes that scroll, now this is very important also to understand. Once he takes that scroll, and he begins to loose the seals, he transitions from being the lamb to becoming the lion. Now to the 144,000 that will meet, he remains the lamb as he is the grace offering from God for, for them to deliver them. And you'll discover him in Revelation chapter number 14, where the 144,000 are with the lamb on Mount of Zion. So you'll still see him through points of this as being the lamb. But when it comes to the judgments that are exacted upon the earth, he's not the lamb anymore. He's the lion, and his roar is so mighty that the earth itself, not man, by the way, strangely enough, but the earth itself trembles in his presence. And so, verse number six, he said, I, I, I looked for the lamb. He said, but behold, he said, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb. Description. As it had been slain. Let me look at that. Good Lord, I want to know if it even, I don't remember if it testified to this point at all. Uh, it did, it did in the ESV as though it had been slain. It did. So so that, that at least is good. Uh, I'm thankful to that. Because it's very important that, that what John sees is the price of his salvation. And I firmly believe that when we, when we enter heaven, when this, this throne room of God, when, when we get there, we're not going to see this pleasantly, this pleasantly uh, dressed, soft, long-haired, this picture of Jesus that, that, that you often find on the walls, that he's going to be someone that we desired and someone that we want to lay our hands on and just walk up and hug and kiss and slap a, a high five and thank him for, for the, the grace of saving us. Now, this isn't the Jesus that we're going to see like, like a cuddly and soft little lamb. What we're going to find is the scars and the, and the torn flesh and the, the eyes of a flame of fire and, and the feet of fine brass and, and, and brazen in the fire. Uh, we're going to find this Jesus that is torn for us. and We're going to see him as he was the gift of God in the sacrifice offering for our sins. We're not going to see something beautiful. We're going to see something terrifying in our heart will tremble at the very presence, but also be in a state of rejoicing for for we are with the Lamb. And that's that's what he sees. He says, a lamb, as it had been slain, having seven horns, that's perfect authority, perfect power. Horn is recognized as strength, perfect strength. Seven eyes as omniscient. He knows all things with perfect knowledge which are the seven spirits, or, yep, seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent in all the earth. Perfect knowledge. <clears throat> and he came and he took the book out of the right hand of him, sat on the throne, as if it was a challenge at all. 
the scroll is recognized as a book. And he says, he came and he took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon his throne. The right hand recognizing the hand of strength, the hand of power. And it's, it shows us in Acts chapter 7, as, as Stephen was being stoned to death, he, see, he said, I see the heavens open and, and Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. So he, you know where the scroll is going to be and you know who has the authority to take that scroll from him. <clears throat> and when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps with golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. See, He does keep all of your prayers. As it was shown in Psalm 77 yesterday, He does hear your prayers when you cry aloud. He, he hears every one of them. He bottles them up and, and stores them in, in His throne room. He's, he's got every request, every brokenness, every, every trial and tribulation stored up is so precious to God. And it says, Every one of them with harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sing a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood by thy blood the blood of the lamb I made it through out of every kindred tongue people and nation amen no one's excluded guys all are welcome at the father's table if they will come through the son for he said I am the way the truth, and the life. And no man comes unto the Father but by me or except through me. Verse 10, he says, uh, And has made us un unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And I beheld and heard a voice of many angels round the throne of the beast and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000, thousands of thousands. The reason why is because Hebrew doesn't have a number any greater than the thousands. They don't, they don't have a concept in Hebrew of, of the, the number of millions or billions or trillions. They, they only have the concept of thousands. And so that's why in Hebrew, the Old Covenant, and why you see here in these moments that they only multiply the thousands to try and explain the point. Saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying, Blessing. Saying, Creatures, Saying, The song of the birds of the morning hours are, are a song saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and to the Lamb forever. The, the whales in their communication, the whales in the songs that they sing is being recorded by, by undersea vessels like our submarines. The, the, the song of the whales crying out, blessing and glory and honor and power be unto the Lamb forever. The, the song of, of the animal kingdom being a praise unto its creator and we find that the only creature that rejects this is man <laughs> imagine that the only creature the one creature who knows best to give praise is the one creature that gives none and those creatures which were created for the purpose of giving praise they praise every day
Just consider the song of the bird. And the four beasts said at the last, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshipped him. That's where we belong, guys. That's where we belong. At his footstool, worshipping him that lived forever and ever. Hallelujah. Do you not see the glory of what those brethren, what those family members, what those children of God that have gone on before us, do we not see what they see in this moment? The cry of the 24 elders as they cast their crowns, the, the multitudes of angels flying through and giving praise, the, the, the four beasts carrying the throne of God, shouting, holy, 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 the, the emerald rainbow of the, the headdress of the Lord and the presence of, of, of his being. And the, oh, guys, <laughs> this is where we're going if we're children of God. This is the victory. And to see Jesus. <laughs> oh, there's no greater treasure, guys. And so tomorrow we're going to get into chapter number six. We're going to see Jesus begin to open those seals and we're going to discover some really sweet truths about the tribulations beginning and knowing that the rapture is already taking place, that there, that, that tribulation pours out upon a world dark with lust and a world lost in its sin that has rejected God. But even in their rejection, His mercy still is applied to this world and that He would give those witnesses of the 144,000 the work of proclaiming the gospel after the church is already gone so that the, the Jews of His promise could, could receive of His grace even in the midst of, of this Antichrist and this false prophet that will come seeking destruction of the world. Oh, God is mighty. Father, we thank You. We thank You for being so mighty, for being so just loving and true that You would give us such a vision that we see today of thy blessed throne room, and that you would give us understanding of what lies in the future so that we could have this moment to repent and, and to come to you. And Lord, that you would give us wisdom of what is to, to come in, our, in the future so that we could warn the world around us of the impending destructions that will come upon it if they will not repent. Lord, you love this world so much. And I pray that your love for us would flood our souls to the point where our love for others would be represented in the gift of the gospel that we give to everyone that we can. We'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name this day for the work that you have done by the Holy Spirit within us. Amen. God bless you guys, keep you guys, and cause his face to shine upon you guys and just Connect with me tomorrow for another great uh, chapter in Revelation. It's worth it. Chapter 6. Read ahead. We'll talk about it. God bless.